Chapter 15, Part 1 of Ruggles of Red Gap by Harry Leon Wilson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Launched now upon a business venture that would require my unremitting attention if it were to prosper, it may be imagined that I had little leisure for the social vagaries of the Honorable George, shocking as these might be to one's finer tastes and yet on the following morning i found time to tell him what to put it quite bluntly i gave him beans for his loose behaviour the previous evening in publicly ogling and meeting as an equal one whom one didn't know to my amazement instead of being heartily ashamed of his licentiousness i found him recalcitrant stubborn as a mule he was and with a low animal cunning that i had never given him credit for demosthenes was the son of a cutler said he and napoleon worked on a canal-boat what didn't you say so yourself you juggins what fancy there being upper and lower classes among natives what rot and i like north america i don't mind telling you straight i'm going to take it up horrified by these reckless words i could only say noblesse oblige meaning to convey that whatever the north americans did the next earl of Princeton must not meet persons one doesn't know whereat he rejoined tartly that i was to stow that piffle being now quite alarmed, I took the further time to call upon Belknap Jackson, believing that he, if any one, could recall the Honourable George to his better nature. He too was shocked, as I had been, and at first would have put the blame entirely upon the shoulders of Cousin Egbert. But at this I was obliged to admit that the Honourable George had too often shown a regrettable fondness for the society of persons that did not matter especially females and i cited the case of the typing girl and the brixton millinery person with either of whom he would have allied himself in marriage had not his lordship intervened belknap jackson was quite properly horrified at these revelations has he no sense of noblesse oblige he demanded at which i quoted the result of my own use of this phrase to the unfortunate man quite too plain it was that noblesse oblige would never stop him from yielding to his baser impulses we must be tactful then remarked belknap jackson without appearing to oppose him we must yet show him who is really who in red gap we shall let him see that we have standards which must be as rigidly adhered to as those of an older civilization i fancy it can be done privately i fancied not yet i forbore to say this or to prolong the painful interview particularly as i was due at the united states grill the recorder of that morning had done me handsomely declaring my opening to have been a social event long to be remembered and describing the costumes of a dozen or more of the smartly gowned matrons quite as if it had been an assembly ball my task now was to see that the grill was kept to the high level of its opening both as a social ganglion 
if one may use the term and as a place to which the public would ever turn for food that mattered for my first luncheon the raccoons had prepared under my direction a steak and kidney pie in addition to which i offered a thick soup and a pudding of high nutritive value to my pleased astonishment the crowd at midday was quite all that my staff could serve several of the hobs brood being at school and the luncheon was received with every sign of approval by the business persons who sat to it not only were there drapers chemists and shop assistants but solicitors and barristers bankers and estate agents and all quite eager with their praise of my fare to each of these i explained that i should give them but few things but that these would be food in the finest sense of the word adding that the fault of the american school lay in attempting a too great profusion of dishes none of which in consequence could be raised to its highest power so sound was my theory and so nicely did my simple dished luncheon demonstrate it that i was engaged on the spot to provide the bi-monthly banquet of the chamber of commerce the president of which rather seriously proposed that it now be made a monthly affair since they would no longer be at the mercy of a hotel caterer whose ambition ran inversely to his skill indeed after the pudding i was this day asked to become a member of the body and i now felt that i was indubitably one of them america and i had taken each other as seriously as could be desired more than once during the afternoon i wondered rather painfully what the honourable george might be doing i knew that he had been promised to a meeting of the onwards and upwards club through the influence of mrs effie where it had been hoped that he would give a talk on country life in england at least she had hinted to them that he might do this though i had known from the beginning that he would do nothing of the sort and had merely hoped that he would appear for a dish of tea and stay quiet which was as much as the north side set could expect of him induced to speak i was quite certain he would tell them straight that country life in england was silly rot and that was all to it now not having seen him during the day i could but hope that he had attended the gathering in suitable afternoon attire and that he would have divined that the cattle person's hat did not coordinate with this at four-thirty while i was still concerned over the possible misadventures of the honourable george my first patrons for tea began to arrive for i had let it be known that i should specialize in this toasted crumpets there were and muffins and a tea-cake rich with plums and tea i need not say which was all that tea could be several tables were filled with prominent ladies of the north side set who were loud in their exclamations of delight especially at the finished smartness of my service for it was perhaps now that the profoundly serious thought i had given to my silver linen and glassware showed to best advantage i suspect that this was the first time many of my guests had encountered a tea cosy since from that day they began to be prevalent in red gap homes also my wagon containing the crumpets 
muffins and tea-cake jam and bread and butter which i now used for the first time created a veritable sensation there was an agreeable hum of chatter from these early comers when i found myself welcoming mrs judge ballard and half a dozen members of the onwards and upwards club all of them wearing what i made out to be a baffled look from these i presently managed to gather that their guest of honour for the afternoon had simply not appeared and that the meeting after awaiting him for two hours had dissolved in some resentment the time having been spent chiefly in an unflattering dissection of the klondike woman's behaviour the evening before he is a naughty man to disappoint us so cruelly declared mrs judge ballard of the honourable george but the coquetry of it was feigned to cover a very real irritation i made haste with possible excuses i said that he might be ill or that important letters in that day's post might have detained him i knew he had been astonishingly well that morning also that he loathed letters and almost practically never received any but something had to be said a naughty naughty fellow repeated mrs ballard and the members of her party echoed it they had looked forward rather pathetically i saw to hearing about country life in england from one who had lived it i was now drawn to greet the belknap jacksons who entered and to the pleasure of winning their hearty approval for the perfection of my arrangements as the wife presently joined mrs ballard's group the husband called me to his table and disclosed that almost the worst might be feared of the honourable george he was at that moment it appeared with a rabble of cow persons and members of the lower class gathered at a stockade at the edge of town where various native horses fresh from the wilderness were being taught to be ridden the wretched flower is with him continued my informant also the tuttle chap who continues to be received by our best people in spite of my remonstrances and he yells quite like a demon when one of the riders is thrown i passed as quickly as i could the spectacle was of course i make allowances for vain basingwell's ignorance of our standards it was nothing short of disgusting a man of his position consorting with the herd he told me no longer ago than this morning i said that he was going to take up america he has said belknap jackson with bitter emphasis you should see what he has on a cowboy hat and chaps and the very lowest of them are calling him judge he flunked a meeting of the onwards and upwards society i added i know and who could have expected it in one of his lineage at this very moment he should be conducting himself as one of his class can you wonder at my impatience with the west here at an hour when our social life should be in evidence 
when all trade should be forgotten i am the only man in town who shows himself in a tea-room and vain basingwell over there debasing himself with our commonest sort all at once i saw that i myself must bear the brunt of this scandal i had brought hither the honourable george promising a personage who would for once and all unify the north side set and perhaps disintegrate its rival i had been felicitated upon my master-stroke and now it seemed i had come a cropper but i resolved not to give up and said as much now to belknap jackson i may be blamed for bringing him among you but trust me if things are really as bad as they seem i'll get him off again i'll not let myself be bowled by such a silly lob as that trust me to devote profound thought to this problem we all have every confidence in you he assured me but don't be too severe all at once with the chap he might recover a sane balance even yet i shall use discretion i assured him but if it proves that i have fluffed my catch rely upon me to use extreme measures redgap needs your best effort he replied in a voice that brimmed with feeling at five-thirty my rush being over i repaired to the neighbourhood where the honourable george had been reported the stockade now contained only a half-score of the untaught horses but across the road from it was a public-house or saloon from which came unmistakable sounds of carousing it was an unsavoury place frequented only by cattle and horse persons the proprietor being an abandoned character named spilmer who had once done a patron to death in a drunken quarrel only slight legal difficulties had been made for him however yet having been pleaded that he acted in self-defence and the creature had at once resumed his trade as publican there was even public sympathy for him at the time on the ground that he possessed a blind mother though i have never been able to see that this should have been a factor in adjudging him i paused now before the low place imagining i could detect the tones of the honourable george high above the chorus that came out to me deciding that in any event it would not become me to enter a resort of this stamp i walked slowly back toward the more reputable part of town and was presently rewarded by seeing the crowd emerge it was led i saw by the honourable george the cattle hat was still down upon his ears and to my horror he had come upon the public thoroughfare with his legs encased in the chaps a species of leathern pantalettes covered with goat's wool a garment which i need not say no gentleman should be seen abroad in as worn by the cow persons in their daily toil they are only just possible being as far from true vogue as anything well could be accompanying him were cousin egbert the indian tuttle the cow persons hank and buck and three or four others of the same rough stamp 
unobtrusively i followed them to our main thoroughfare deeply humiliated by the atrocious spectacle the honourable george was making of himself only to observe them turn into another public-house entitled the family liquor store where it seemed only too certain since the bearing of all was highly animated that they would again carouse at once seeing my duty i boldly entered finding them aligned against the american bar and clamouring for drink my welcome was heartfelt even enthusiastic almost every one of them beginning to regale me with incidents of the afternoon's horse-breaking the honourable george it seemed had himself briefly mounted one of the animals having fallen into the belief that the cow-persons did not try earnestly enough to stay on their mounts i gathered that one experience had dissuaded him from this opinion that there little paint-horse observed cousin egbert genially stepped out from under the judge the prettiest you ever saw he sure did remarked the honourable george with a palpable effort to speak the american brogue a most flighty beast he was nerves all gone i dare say a hopeless neurasthenic and then when i would have rebuked him for so shamefully disappointing the ladies of the onwards and upwards society he began to tell me of the public-house he had just left i say you know that spilma chap he's a genuine murderer he let me hold the weapon with which he did it and he has blind relatives dependent upon him or something of that sort otherwise i fancy they'd have sent him to the gallows and by gad he's a witty scoundrel what looking at his sign leaving the settlement it reads last chance but entering the settlement it reads first chance last chance and first chance for a peg do you see what i mean i tried it out walked both ways under the sign and looked up it worked perfectly enter the settlement first chance leave the settlement last chance do you see what i mean suggestive what witty you'd never have expected that murderer johnny to be so subtle our own murderers aren't that way i say it's a tremendous wheeze i wonder the press chaps don't take it up it's better than the blind factory though the chap's mother or something is blind what ho but that's silly to be sure one has nothing to do with the other i say have another you chaps i've not felt so fit in ages i'm going to take up america plainly it was no occasion to use serious words to the man he slapped his companions smartly on their backs and was slapped in turn by all of them one or two of them called him an old horse not only was i doing no good for the north side set but i had felt obliged to consume two glasses of spirits that i did not wish so i discreetly withdrew as i went the honourable george was again telling them that he was going in for north america and cousin egbert was calling three rousing cheers thus luridly began i may say a scandal that was to be far-reaching in its dreadful effects 
far from feeling a proper shame on the following day the honourable george was as pleased as punch with himself declaring his intention of again consorting with the cattle and horse persons and very definitely declining an invitation to play at golf with belknap jackson golf he spluttered you do it and then you've directly to do it all over again i mean to say one gets nowhere a silly game what wishing to be in no manner held responsible for his vicious pursuits i that day removed my diggings from the flowed home to chambers in the pettengill block above the grill where i did myself quite nicely with decent mantel ornaments some vivacious prints of old-world cathedrals and a few good books having for body-servant one of the hobbs lads who seemed rather teachable i must admit however that i was frequently obliged to address him more sharply than one should ever address one's servant my theory having always been that a serving person should be treated quite as if he were a gentleman temporarily performing menial duties but there was that strain of lowness in all the hobbses which often forbade this a blending of servility with more or less skilfully dissembled impertinence which i dare say is the distinguishing mark of our lower-class serving people removed now from the immediate and more intimate effects of the honourable george's digressions i was privileged for days at a time to devote my attention exclusively to my enterprise it had thriven from the beginning and after a month i had so perfected the minor details of management that everything was right as rain in my catering i continued to steer a middle course between the british school of plain roast and boiled and a too often piffling french complexity seeking to retain the desirable features of each my luncheons for the tradesmen rather held to a cut from the joint with vegetables and a suitable sweet while in my dinners i relaxed a bit into somewhat imaginative salads and entrees for the tea hour i constantly strove to provide some appetizing novelty often i confess sacrificing nutrition to mere sightliness in view of my almost exclusive feminine patronage yet never carrying this to an undignified extreme as a result of my sound judgment dinner-giving in red gap began that winter to be done almost entirely in my place there might be small informal affairs at home but for dinners of any pretension the hostesses of the north side set came to me relying almost quite entirely upon my taste in the selection of the menu although at first i was required to employ unlimited tact in dissuading them from strange and laboured concoctions whose photographs they fetched me from their women's magazines i at length converted them from this unwholesome striving for novelty and laid the foundations for that sound scheme of gastronomy which to-day distinguishes this fastest growing town in the state if not in the west of america End of chapter fifteen part one